Welcome to Hello from the Pluriverse, a podcast about sharing the stories of designers and design thinkers from different backgrounds around the world. I'm Leslie-Anne Noel, a designer from Trinidad and Tobago and a professor of practice at Tulane University in New Orleans. The name of our podcast is a reference to Designs for the Pluriverse by Arturo Escobar. In our podcast, we explore the stories of designers from many different countries, women designers, designers of color, and designers from the LGBTQI community. In our interviews, we explore how place and identity affect their work, what they say about design, design thinking, and social innovation, and what advice they would give to non-designers who are using design methods. We'll continue to share more stories throughout the series about designers from many different worlds, from our little corner of the world, at the Phyllis M. Taylor Center for Social Innovation and Design Thinking at Tulane University in New Orleans. Welcome to the Hello from the Pluriverse podcast. My name is Max Esperance. I'm a uh, master's student here at Tulane University. I'm a design thinking graduate assistant working at the Phyllis M. Taylor for Social Innovation and Design Thinking. I plan to be a business intelligence analyst in the future. I'm going to work my way up the corporate ranks at a major company. I'm interested in real estate, art, and sculpture. I was born in Haiti, and I have a military background. Hi, my name is Natalie Hudnick. I'm in my second year in the Master of Public Health in Maternal and Child Health Program here at Tulane School of Public Health and Tropical Medicine. And I'm also a design thinking graduate assistant working at the Taylor Center. I hope to one day soon work in public health at a state health department, hopefully working in a maternal and child health division. I'm originally from outside St. Louis, Missouri, and I have a bachelor's degree in cultural anthropology. So today we are going to be listening to an interview from Marlon Darbo. Marlon is the founder and creative director of By Making and is a collaborator at the Alice Yard Art Space Initiative. Based in Trinidad, with a background in graphic design and current focus on the creation of physical objects, Marlon is always incorporating his culture and upbringing into the work that he does. When creating his designs, Marlon explores different textiles, objects, and techniques, but always trying to use timber and metal in any of his creations to tie in not only his past, but also his identity and his future. So this interview was originally recorded in, in fall 2019. Natalie and I are here today to hear what Marlon has to say about his approach to design thinking. After the recording, we'll be here to discuss our thoughts and what we learned and hopefully spark some discussion for our listeners. Personally, I am looking forward to hearing Marlon's thoughts on how he transitioned from a professional graphic designer into a design thinker that focuses more on the creation of uh, physical objects. What are you looking forward to, Natalie? I'm really looking forward to hearing Marlon talk more about his design process and how he uses design thinking to explore his own design work through the creation of his physical objects. I think this will be really interesting and creative conversation that I can't wait to hear. Sounds great. Well, let's have a listen. Um, so I'm, I'm based here in Trinidad. Um, I studied here in Trinidad. I am a trained graphic designer, um, but I grew up in a family um, with traditions in woodworking and uh, metalworking. Um, and over the last 10 years, I've established a company called uh, By Making. <clears throat> and the sole uh, kind of purpose or philosophy of By Making is engaging with small to, to, large, small to medium to large scale workshops of, of varying types, um, more traditional and some that are more technology advanced. Um, and in particular, um, kind of 
merging my family traditions to develop the projects that I'm interested in making. You know, so I, most of my work is particularly timber and metal, um, and they utilize um, sheet metal processes that my dad uses to make the products that he makes in his workshop. And in the last two or three years, I have been working with a large manufacturer to utilize some of the more modern technologies in manufacturing. Um, if it was not for where I'm from, I don't think I'll be making the kind of wood that I'm making because I am relying heavily on um, things that kind of represent our national identity mm-hmm. as, as a way of forming my own identity. You know, so as much as I'm looking at the future, I am also taking into consideration my, my own individual context um, within a larger um, kind of reality of where, where I live. You know, um, and I think in shaping that identity, I am able to then shape the kind of wood I'm trying to make, you know, and that probably has some kind of, you know, um, continuous impact. You know, I, I think inherently designers should be thinking, right? Um, I think design requires a lot, a lot of consideration. Um, I think you, you, can't, you can't design in a vacuum, regardless of what kind of designer you are. Right. If you if you if your work is um, heavily commercially um, facing, if it's um, a blend of commercial slash social, um, if it's personal, um, I think in in all spheres, um, the capacity to think um, clearly, um, deeply about what you're wanting to do and why you're doing it, I think is important. I think in a way, I do apply. Um, I think a, a lot of design thinking mm-hmm. but maybe not in a very formal way i've been lately i've been i've been spending um, a couple of hours every week with a university class here in trinidad mm-hmm. and some of the things that i've been trying to impart is this idea of establishing meaning you know establishing the you know to me the big question why are you doing what you're doing um and, and to me that's re- so regardless of what the intent is um you know it could be for social um, social design systems or, or um, an object. Um, to me, recognizing the, the why in, in the project is really, really important. Mm-hmm. And allowing yourself to travel along a kind of a journey of discovery, right? Mm-hmm. So to me, it's like this idea of meaning and, and through the idea of meaning, what are the things that you are able to discover about this particular project and the context of the project? Mm-hmm. And discovery requires research, and research can take different forms. And at least in my instance, which I think can apply um, in every instance, right? Um, there's the idea of function um, of of that object, thing, system, um, idea, um, material. And, you know what is the material, right? And that material doesn't. Rest. When I say material, it doesn't have to be timber or metal. Mm-hmm. It's just the materiality, the idea of what is this thing going to be? Um, and then how is it going to be actually implemented? Mm-hmm. Right? I think that if some implementation, in my instance, is manufacturing, an implementation for someone else might literally be getting a system off, the, off uh, getting a system started. And I think in, in every instance, if you're able to identify all of the key 
components or elements that are required to realize your intent, um, I think that's a way of, of, of ensuring that you are thinking very clearly about what you are um, embarking on. Cool. You know, and, and, I, yeah. no, and, I think, and I think meaning is a, is a, is a really significant um, a starting point. We all have good intent, and sometimes the results isn't fantastic, right? right. Um, and and I think that both are. I think both are really important. Mm -hmm. I, I always I always try to, even if I've not made a drawing as yet. In my mind, I like to project what the future is. What am I trying to achieve? Okay. And I'm and and in keeping my eye on that goal, I am trying to clarify why I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. But I'm always um, trying to basically um, stitch together those two very um, uh, spectrums that are really far apart, but that need to come together. Right. You know? And to me, they're being stitched together by all of my actions. Mm -hmm. I'm really interested in, uh, um, I don't know, cultural artifacts. You know, um, how does... You know, I, I, I sometimes wonder, like, 40 years from now, 50 years from now, what would um, the objects that I am making, what would be their place, right? Um, in my own, in this context of Trinidad and Tobago and elsewhere, um, would they really be a symbol of a time or would they not be? You know, and that's kind of like something I'm, it's a kind of a question I kind of always keep, or keep kind of popping up. I, just, I think I just like to think about what happens. You know, it, you know, it's almost like yeah, you, you kind of want stuff to be timeless, but at the same time, you wonder, you know, what, you know, how will it be received 40 years from now? Mm -hmm. you know? um, and, and, and it's, it's kind of the same way that I look at artists in Trinidad. The artists that have, have, that have influenced me have, to me, marked particular moments in our history. But at the same time, what they have done visually um, has so much relevance right. to today, and and um, you know, and the same way they're making images on in two dimensional spaces most times on canvases on paper. I kind of wonder about these these objects. You know, would they have the same kind of resonance? I've been trying to pay attention to what's happening in the in that what do you call it a sector category. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, I've yet to really wrap my head around it, um, but I do see its importance. Mm -hmm. And I think for, for me, from a social perspective, one of the things that I'm interested in is, um, you know, to kind of create small incubators, small spaces that have influence on community, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that utilizes design. You know, um, you know, I mean, I kind of imagine a small space where I can translate all of my work into the machines and, and crafts that are, that are required to make it and then fill those um, opportunities with, with people from a community, you know, young people yeah, from, you know, um, I'm interested in it. I'm just not in a place yet where I can resource up. You know, one of the things that I'm, you know, one is trying to source uh, materials. Um, hopefully, you know, ninety over ninety percent of it locally mm -hmm. um, to work with to work with um, 
with, with craftsmen, but to respect their inputs as well. Um, so I'm not price gouging. You know, my, my interest isn't in getting it for the cheapest dollar and selling it for the most, um, most value. Um, instead, I'm respecting the value of the craftsperson's input and paying them accordingly to their, their demands. Right? You know, I mean, it's, it's a, there's a level of, um, you know, I would say I'm, I'm not necessarily a, a great businessman in the sense that I'm not trying to eat out, you know, right. as, as they say here, you can dig someone's eyes out, you know. <laughs> um, I try to act very responsible when it comes to um, that tr- tr- being transactional, mm-hmm. right? Um, because I also think it's also a way of bringing them into the project. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, because I'm not, you know, I'm, I don't have the resources to just order product um, components with a, a, a lack of community connection. Mm-hmm. You know, some business operations that there's no real connection to the community. It's, you know, I need this, I want this, this time, this value, and that's it. Um, I think my, my engagements are way more personal um, because I've worked with workshops, I mean, across the country. Mm-hmm. you know, um, from you know, the southern side of our country to the west, to the east, and north, and in the middle. You know, I, I always find myself in these little pockets um, trying to operate. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and there are instances where um, some persons have basically put their crafts down, you know, so they were you know, probably a bowl maker, now only making kitchen cabinets because that's the way they live, right? Mm-hmm. And engaging with them on a project I'm kind of revealing energies around um, a skill and something that they love to do. You know, so they're able to come on on a ride with me and they're able to produce things that they want to produce, but not necessarily have the burden of creating the idea and making the idea possible and putting it into market. So it's, it's making things possible for everyone at the same time. <laughs> yeah, no, I was, I was just saying, I think in terms of the, you know, I think the commercialization of my work um, on, a, on a bigger scale has been something that, that's been creeping up, you know, um, and it's a question that I have sometimes wanted to face directly and sometimes I've shied away from, you know. Um, it's, it could be very overwhelming sometimes, you yeah. know, um, and not, especially, not, especially not having the resources um, and the skills on my own um, to make it happen. I mean, in Trinidad, there's in Trinidad is strange, right? right? Because we don't we don't necessarily have an economy that recognizes and gives with design in the same way in which um, some more developed um, cities or societies are able to, because their economy operates a system that allows. So to me, like you have different, you have different tiers of designers in another part of the world. I think here it's very difficult to mature as a designer because you are kind of still you're still competing with people who are who are younger, and not because of talent, but just because of the nature of the demands of the market. I from you, you know, who can I get it faster, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because there isn't a and I also think that there has not been a lot of work. I mean, Leslie Ann and a couple of other people have in the last few years trying to engage the communities around design. Um, 
And I think so I think there's so much opportunity here for growth in the sector, but the challenge is is the market in a position to allow it to, to really um, you know um, be what it can be. So I kind of see from a, as a designer in the Caribbean, I think the, the outlook really is about the how how do how does what we act or contribute to the global um, space. I think tenacity is important. Um, I also think it requires a high level of sensitivity um, because the truth is being a designer is very emotionally demanding um, because what you are really doing is tapping into people's emotions. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think regardless of what kind of design you're doing, you're always engaging with other human beings. Right. And that, that requires a high level of consideration. And I think that one should learn to kind of pay attention, kind of listen. Um, I think it's a key um, skill uh, because if you're not paying attention, if you're not listening, even when you're not required to listen, <laughs> um, you can you can maybe not be working on things or doing things that are going to benefit people outside of yourselves. You know, um, so you know. So I think. You know, um, yeah, and um, high level of um, you know, kind of working on your emotional intelligence is 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 is, is important, you know, um, because to me, you know, I mean, like even with social, like if you, look, if you look at social design, I mean, that requires a level of selflessness, right? You know, um, not everyone may have the personality to outside them to pay attention to what others did, right? Or even to recognize their own needs in relation to the community, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so sensitivity is a, a real um, important um, trait or skill that one I think can develop. I think I've I've been through my years of um, of learning, and I think I'm still learning um, to be to be more sensitive, um, you know, as you work. Well, what an interesting listen that was. I. Uh... Really, truly enjoyed listening to Marlin and hear about his story and what uh, made him find the work that he's done. Um, Maybe with Natalie. And uh, Natalie, how do you think that place and identity has impacted Marlin Darbo's work? Marlin's creations and designs that he uh, he creates reflect Trinidad and reflect his upbringing. Place and identity play a critical role in Marlin's design work. All of his projects reflect his upbringing as well as his place of living. He incorporates his family and traditions into his projects through the use of certain materials. And Trinidad itself helps to define what types of products and materials he manufactures. Place and identity are important when designing for Marlin. Not only is he able to consistently design using materials that are important to his identity, but the product itself created from those materials reflect his national identity and his culture from growing up and living in Trinidad. So I completely uh, agree with what you're saying. I definitely believe that his place and identity has a major impact in uh, his work, especially his creations. So he always tries to find a way to integrate his culture and his upbringing into his work. For example, his father taught him techniques to be used with metal and timber. And these materials have since played a large role in the objects that Marlon creates. He intentionally uses timber and metal in the majority of his work to merge his family tradition 
with the projects that he's working on, which I find very inspiring and a great way to honor your family and where you come from. Um, he works to express and reinterpret the local Caribbean culture by striving to bring uh, the culture together by fusing the present and the future. He is focused on using our visual culture to display the integrated culture as society as a whole. So I felt very uh, inspired by the fact that he's honoring his family, his father, by incorporating things that he taught him into his work. Well, that was great. What did you learn about Marlon, about design, design thinking, and social innovation? So one thing that I picked up on he's, is that he did not feel that he was defined as a design thinker. Uh, he believes that designers should be thinking about a lot of different aspects and have lots of considerations when they're designing. His main aim when designing is to understand uh, what you are wanting to do and why you are doing it. This is necessary when designing and one must look at all spheres of a project to answer these types of questions. So he believes that designers cannot design in a vacuum. They must have the outside input and the outside influence to truly understand what it is that they are trying to accomplish. So pretty much is that do not feel the need to restrict yourself into a certain box. Okay, this is I'm a design thinker and this is what a design thinker is. He feels that you should be free to express it your own way. What about you, Natalie? Well, I thought the same thing. I think it was very honest for him to say that he wasn't a formal design thinker, but that he's still using design thinking methods within his own work in his own way. I really like learning about the fact that what he said and what you talked about, that no one designs in a vacuum. There is context to everything and people would be, will be impacted by whatever you create. Marlon also talked about how, like you mentioned also, that when designing or creating, you have to think about what type of design work you are doing and why you were doing it. I think always starting with these two thoughts can help to guide you to make sure that whatever you produce is something that meets some sort of want or need, whether it's for yourself or for others. Amazing. So as both of us are not formal designers, what advice did you take away from this episode for non-designers who are using design methods? So Marlon's advice for non-designers using design thinking methods is to primarily focus on meaning before anything else. Regardless of what the intent of a project is, the important thing is to understand why. It's important and necessary to allow yourself to travel on a journey of discovery about a particular project that you are working on and to try to, to completely understand the context of that project. Designers and non-designers need to conduct research in different forms. Understanding materials and how they will change or impact their design is one type of relevant research. To Marlon, the why was just as important than the physical outcome of the project. If you can identify all the key elements to realize your intent, that is the way to ensure that you are thinking as a designer. What about you, Natalie? Uh, is there any advice that you had taken away from this episode about Marlon's methods? Yeah, so I also agree with some of this, with a lot of what you said, Max. The main advice I also took away was to establish meaning in what you were doing and what you were designing or creating meaning when combined with intent can help you design or create really well thought out products that have, can have great impact like you talked about max marlon discussed how discovery and research is so critical to establishing meaning and understanding what type of impact your product design material what have you will have discovering research go hand in hand and research 
in many different forms can help you as a designer or a non-designer to design with meaning and ultimately with impact. So, I, yep, I totally agree with you. The, uh, the intent of your project and the why is pretty much the most important things for Marlon. It's, it's, very, uh, it's very beneficial to understand why you're doing what you're doing. And if you have a great understanding of that, I think that the outcome would definitely be in your favor. So was there anything else that he's, was there anything that he said that surprised you? Anything that you didn't agree with or anything that inspired you? Yeah, there was one thing that Marlon said that really inspired me was his thought process on designing and creating his products. He talked about when he starts designing, he projects the future and is trying to figure out what he is trying to achieve. He then focuses on in on how that can come together. I think this is such an interesting and inspiring way to design and really to ultimately create anything. For all of us, when we create anything, we might often think of how our creation fits in the present rather than how it will fit in the future. Shifting that thought process, though, I think can lead to some pretty spectacular results. Well, I uh, I completely agree with you, Natalie, about his thoughts and projecting the future. He says that in the long run, he wonders how his objects. Uh, will uh, impact people over time. He's curious as to whether they will be seen as a relevant symbol uh, or not. Um, he does not focus on making the pieces timeless when he's creating them, but afterwards he enjoys hypothesizing and uh, thinking deeply about what their role would be 40 years into the future, uh, which I think is very neat. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed this discussion with you and listening to Marlon Darbo's uh, thoughts and I hope that we'll have you again on this podcast sometime soon Natalie thanks for joining us well, thanks for having me we hope you enjoyed this interview from our hello from the pluriverse series a special thank you to Arturo Escobar the author of designs for the pluriverse for opening the space for conversations about pluriversality in design Many thanks as well to all of our interviewees, our Design Thinking student team, Ruby, Lupe, Delaney, Tran, and Wissal, the students of the Fall 2019 SICE 3010 class, Levante, Lucas, our editor, and the rest of the team at the Taylor Center at Tulane. If you have any suggestions for our program, please email your comments, suggestions, and questions to taylor at tulane.edu. And also you can visit our website at taylor.tulane.edu.